this, the Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Fantastic. I had a, early in the morning, I had a game of uh, uh, vintage hockey, old-timers hockey. It was fantastic. It's it's uh, just low-key. It's shinny. And, uh, of course, I barely keep up. But uh, there was one player there, he's 75, about, I don't know, he was in his 70s, former U of A Golden Bear. What an amazing player at his age. He was like, I think he was around 75. Oh, yeah. Jeez, what an amazing hockey player. 75 years old and just charging around this. Would have been a dominant player in most beer league games. Um, yeah, real. Uh, he was a guy from Red Deer. I can't remember his name right now, but man, was he. he the first clue that he was going to be good was he had the Golden Bear green uh, hockey pants on. So, Yeah, they teach him how to play 200 feet of hockey at that uh, old barn. They sure do and did and, and uh, always have. How are you today, Bruce? Uh, well, I'm feeling quite a bit better about uh, my hockey team today. They, uh, I had just half an idea that they weren't going to come home completely empty-handed, and they turned it around with practically every player on the team had his best game of the road trip. Like this really yes. was a good, yeah. strong uh, uh, team effort, and uh, uh, I mean it was the, the you know the top two lines and then the power play that looked after all the scoring, but I thought it was most of the. 18 skaters and certainly the gold goaltender who looked took care of business uh making those goals stand up rather comfortably right to the end i i would say bruce and this could be the for the first time this year the oilers best players all of them were the best players on the ice and put the put the boots to the other team uh mcdavid drive settle legion hopkins and nurse just all were had really great games and uh i don't think we've seen that all four of them i i'd like to go back and see any game for instance where all four of them got a rating of even about seven or above on our 10 point system i gave them um eight and above i gave nugent nurse eights and dry subtle mcdavid nines uh but i don't think we, you would see a game like that this year and i think that that really it, now that I think of it, you know, people are asking me constantly because I think they think I pay attention to this. Like, what's wrong with the Oilers? It's really hard to answer that because it's such a multitude of things. But that right there is a pretty significant thing, I'm going to suggest. Extremely significant. Mm-hmm. Bruce? Oh, they, uh, they brought it uh, as a group and, and the big guys... Um, there was one game, uh, I think Knobloch's first game, where the three stars were the same three guys, Dreisaitl, okay. Skinner, and McDavid. But t- tonight they had even more company, I think, in, uh, oh, in yeah. delivering the statement. This was a dominant performance. The grade-A shots were 18 to 11 for the Oilers, with the subset of five alarm shots, the most dangerous shots, and going 33% of the time, 8 to 3 for the Oilers. I think this is the second nice. time all year the orders have limited a team to fewer than uh, five five alarm shots in a game. So um, 
excellent effort. I mean, they had a really good game against Seattle in Jay Woodcroft's last game as coach, head coach. It, it was a, that was a dominant game. This was the easily the most dominant game of Knobloch's uh, tenure with the Oilers. And um, came at a, like if they had lost this game, Bruce, like the meltdown mm-hmm. that we've been seeing, like we, we are, we're seeing a meltdown. Yeah. It just would have been off the scale. So this was a big win for Edmonton, obviously. Um, our two good things, two bad things and two numbers podcast with one conundrum coming right up. We'll go with two good things each because it was uh, a must win for the Oilers. They got a lot of must wins coming up for the rest of the regular season. Bruce, what is your first good thing? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go with how many of the players on the team did answer the bell and uh, stepped up in this game, uh, starting with Cody Cece, who stepped up and delivered a shiver me timbers hit on a pinch where. Whether the puck got by him or not, the guy sure wasn't going to get by him. He hammered yeah. him hard. Uh, I'll extend to Warren Fogle, who took a real heavy hit from the heaviest of uh, of players. Uh, 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 Tom Wilson, after that. And again, the Oilers responded. Uh, this time, Zach Hyman stepped up in the center ice zone and hammered down a cap on the, you know, the same uh, before the next whistle. And they just weren't backing down. And sometimes it involved taking a shot like Vinny DeHarnay did from Alex Ovechkin that led to a penalty uh, and an Oilers power play. And sometimes it was uh, uh, Matthias Janmark showing the gonads to go in there on uh, Wilson after Wilson poked um, uh, Skinner's glove after the puck was frozen and Janmark showed no hesitation in going in there and he took a couple shots and again he drew a penalty that this time led to a goal and this was when Edmonton started to run away from the game and I just thought all these guys there's another one on the penalty kill Connor Brown uh, he was kind of in a disadvantageous position and, and he had to kind of reverse his ground to get to the puck and clear it. And you could see if he did, he was going to get crushed. And he showed no hesitation to make that play, get the ice, puck down the ice and get clobbered. And that's, you got to be willing to do that to win in this league. And it's not necessarily, sometimes it is the star players who are getting clobbered, but oftentimes it's the, it's the, uh, uh, you know, the role players and the grunts and the bangers and so on that are doing it. And I say uh, hats off to all those guys for just that collection of individual plays that I specifically noticed that I can remember at this moment. And there were more. And uh, especially to Matthias Janmark, who I who I said in our little game notes, you know, no one will accuse him of being a chicken swede. Harold Ballard's old famous <laughs> expression and Don Cherry's uh, after uh, after uh, going jaw to jaw and stick to stick with uh, Tom Wilson. That's right. He, <laughs> that's right. He went into he went up to Tom Wilson with a dozen eggs in his pocket and he wiped them in Tom Wilson's face. <laughs> <laughs> no one will get that except for you, Bruce. Yeah, well, Ty- Harold Ballard said Inga Hammerstrom would go into the right. corner with six eggs in his pocket and he wouldn't break any of them. That's right. That's basically it's, what he said. We're very, words very close to that effect. Uh, it's got a lot of play, but uh, the whole chicken sweet thing got uh, a lot of play for years. But uh, anyway, there's not many of them left now. Don't call Matthias Eckholm a chicken sweet after this game either. Please and no. thank you. He was a big physical commanding force out there. You know, one of the hard plays that I 
that I just, I loved. And it ended up with the, I thought was the play of the game. And it was Evander Kane battling in front of yes. that first goal. He was just ferocious. Yeah. He's been that way all year. Yes. He's been, he has been, he has been the Oilers' best player in the last 10 games. And um, just everything you'd want from an NHL power forward. Huge that he's doing it at this age for a power forward. That's a really good sign. Huge that he's doing it after coming back from injury. His hands are coming back. But man, is his fight ever there? And um, he fought for the first shot and he fought for, he just muscled Mm -hmm. his way to that rebound and plowed it in. That is a great goal. And was that ever a needed goal? Because the winners came out a little shaky, you know, Kulak turned over. I, there was a play, Hyman turned it over in the neutral zone and they came in on a three on two and the guy, Obel Kube muffed the shot. There was a couple muffed shots. This could have gone the other way, but then Kane's big play um, mm-hmm. was huge. And there was other people involved in that play. And we'll get to that in a second. My good yeah. thing, Bruce, is um, I'm going to go with Connor McDavid. Maybe his best game of the year. He's had a few other pretty good games, but he was involved in uh, 12... Yeah, major contributions to grade A shots this game. He had four assists. That gives him 20 points in 17 games this year. So that's starting to approach McD-like points per game totals, starting to approach. Um, Jack Michaels mentioned it was his first game of the season with more than three points. More than two points. More than two points, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he had, what was it, 22 or 23 of them last year, and he finished with four points. So he started out um, his wraparound early in the game, deflected high, and uh, Nuge cashed that in for Edmonton's second goal. That was a nice play by McD. Uh, just a few moments later, he's he's he and Eklom worked a really nice offensive play where they were kind of passing back and forth, high and low. And McDavid finally set up Eklom for a really good grade-A shot. Um, on the power play, he uh, passed to Dreisaitl for Dreisaitl's... Um, patented uh, turnaround snapshot, which he apparently he, uh, in, in the post game, he said he, he, he signaled the bench. Did you hear this? He signaled. Yeah. Yeah. He, I watched that interview. He yeah. signaled the bench and it was because, um, um, Brown, what's his mm-hmm. first name? Connor Brown. Connor Brown. Claimed credit for inventing that play. In which the they've history. used before, but presumably McDavid and Brown worked it out together in Erie. And then McDavid taught it to dry sidle play of facing away from the net taking the pass on the backhand and then just firing it on the forehand and any defenseman who's trying to get through Leon Dreisaitl's big butt to stop that play good luck with that you know it's a very good play that's worked he's, it's not the first time he's pulled it off but it is the first time with Connor Brown on the team and you can see both guys immediately turn to the bench and it was nice to see them smile because we haven't seen a whole lot of smiling or any sort of indication that any of them are having anything but a horrible time out there and today was just such a welcome respite from that that ever right and so uh, the final play and one of them one of the plays that gave me you know we've been hoping mcdavid rounds into grade a form right like his brings mm-hmm. his top game he he was pretty close to bringing his top game this game i'm not sure if the shot's there there was one play though um not exactly sure if it was later in the second or early in the third but he rushed he charged up the ice he deked out a caps defenseman into the middle of the ice and he slammed a shot on net that was pretty McDavid-like. That's what we need to see. I don't think that the shot is fully there yet, 
Um, right. The kind of shooting that we saw last year when he was just lights out, but for the first time. Snapping him past oh, goalies. And he was just so astonishing. Flat out beating goalies from 20 and 25 feet with regularity. But he found a way today and uh, he really played well. Bruce, what is your second good thing? Yeah, well, I'm going to go with Leon Dreisaitl, who I thought had really bossed this game. Of all the Oilers, they had several bosses of this game. You name many of them. I'll add Ekholm to the list of the, you know, the four in the in the leadership group. You know, where are the letters? Uh, but Leon, to me, really stood out. He was skating. He was skating with purpose, and you could just see it was in the game, um, right from the beginning in terms of of uh, uh, what he was doing out there. Um, the first goal uh, was such a huge goal, and this was after Washington whiffed a couple of chances, but this was the play you referenced earlier, but to wind back the tape, Howie, a little bit, yeah. uh, it was a play that started from the uh, uh, from the blue line uh, with, uh, with the puck that cycled over to uh, Vincente Harney on the right point, and Drysaddle was behind the net, and he came bursting out from behind the net, like to the side. And DeHarnay saw him and hit, hit him with a perfectly timed and weighted pass that found Leon in the corner, sort of stick two feet ahead of anybody who could check him because of, you know, the 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 uh, how how you know purposefully he sk- skated out from behind the net, like give me the puck, and they got him the puck, and then he did the heavy lifting, carrying it out into the circle, then doubling back and taking it to the net and feeding it to Kane. And Kane, this is, the only reason I didn't mention him earlier was I knew I would talk about this play now, was he pulled to the net exactly as you said, and then he, you know, he just wasn't to be denied going after the first shot and then the second one and poking it in, and it was like everything you want to see in one play. Yeah, uh, the team hasn't been doing uh, in terms of you know playing with purpose, passing the puck, uh, you know to players on their own team, <laughs> you know things like that, and also just going hard to the net and and uh, GTTFN. Our friend Murdoch Davis likes to remind us every once in a while, and Vander Kane did all of that on that play, and that opened the scoring, and that was the game-winning goal. GWG. And he got it by GTTFN. Go into the frickin' net. An old Glenn Sather uh, <laughs> saying, apparently. Apparently he did that at West Edmonton Mall when they had one of those open practices. And oh, he yeah. He was trying to get the message across, and he kept oh, yelling he... it over and over again. The, the ring is, the whole rink is ringed with families and so on. Of course, this is not 2023 where F-bombs are everywhere, but... Uh, they, uh, it, I mean, they were certainly there, and this was definitely a hockey team taking its practice seriously and say they were delivering the message to everyone within earshot. Indeed. Uh, any other dry saddle plays you want to talk oh, about? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the two goals. Man, two yeah. power play goals. And one of them was the Connor Brown-inspired yeah. uh, sequence where he did. Yeah, yeah, let's call it that now. Where he uh, 
assumed the position in the slot. And I, it was funny, like literally like two seconds before it, I was saying, because he'd come close just before that, maybe 10 seconds earlier. He'd had a, had a decent chance on that and kind of kind of came off the end of his stick not good. And I said, man, does Leon ever need to cash it? You know, he's got, just needs to get one and get going and now would be a good time. And yeah, there it is. And it was this bang in the net. He got fed in the slot and he just flat out ripped one past Charlie Lindgren high blocker for the left-handed goalie and a perfectly placed shot. And there's the Leon that uh, Oilers fans know and love and uh, apparently was his first power play goal in 15 games or he'd gone 15 games without one. Just a ridiculously long time. I guess it was, yeah, it was game three in Nashville was the last one and it was game 19. So 15 games without any. And then he followed it up with another one uh very next goal later in the same uh uh in the second period and that one was the uh one where there was a big battle in front Lindgren made one phenomenal save and either Hyman or Nugent Hopkins I'm still not sure both of them made the play to pull the puck out of the pile and back and right to Leon and he was in the sort of high slot away from the pile up and he just roofed it and Yep, there's the finishing touch that uh, that I remember, and and so those three scoring plays in particular. But I I just like the way he uh, he commanded most of this game. One or two little things, a lost faceoff that wound in the net, wound up in the net, and wouldn't you know it, the linesman actually whistled it down, and it didn't count. Like others were, did get a couple of breaks tonight, and a veteran shot that trickled through Skinner and hit the post. Uh, and so it's one of those games where things are going your way, but Oilers were the better team by far. And, uh, and, uh, Leon Dreisettle was a big part of the reason why, in my view. He was indeed. I gave him a nine. He and McDavid both got sure. not grades of nine out of 10. Sure. Uh, Bruce, I'm going to go with Evan Bouchard as my second good thing. The, I think it's safe to say the much maligned Evan Bouchard. There is a lot of commentary um, that focuses on his defensive lapses. And I can't say that I, um, people who focus on that, they are not wrong. He, he has a lot of defensive lapses. He has more major defensive lapses on grade A shots against than any other Oilers defenseman right now, um, even in terms of rate as well as yeah. total. So, and, um, you know, this is an issue that he's got to deal with, but I just feel like some people, Bruce, I'm going to, they're not wrong to folk to, to bring that up, but man, they just, you know, the, any suggestion that he should be traded out of town or isn't up to snuff as a player or whatever that, that I, that I also see, I just completely, uh, disagree with that. I think there people are overlooking what Evan Bouchard brings. Because what he brings on the attack more than makes up for, I think, his his uh, flaws on defense. And, um, you know, his rate of making major contributions to grade A shots at even strength is off the charts for a defenseman. And I don't think we've seen anything. Uh, it's, it's higher than any level that we've seen um, so far this year in the entire time we've been doing this project for more than a decade. This guy can really, really move the puck. He really passes the puck well. And we saw some indication of that on the uh, Nugent Hopkins goal. He started mm -hmm. off that whole sequence with just a um, uh, fine stretch that hit, uh, that, that 
that started off the sequence where uh, I think it was Hyman and McDavid who passed it, and then RNH put it, off, dinged it off the post. Then a moment later, uh, Bouchard charged over there, and he and his pinch worked. He won the the board battle, and he kept it in, um, and it went down low, and then it went um, um, high in the air, and Nuge batted it in. So that's that was one example of his passing. But all game long, mm-hmm. if you're watching him play hockey, he's just hitting stretch pass mm-hmm. after stretch pass. If he wasn't there, the Oilers' ability to move the puck out of their own zone would be so crippled compared to yeah. what it is now. He uh, he's just a he is a tremendous offensive attacking hockey player. He is Larry Murphy. Now I don't know if he's going to have the career of Larry Murphy. We can hope, but Larry <laughs> Murphy kicked around to a few different teams yeah. in his career. And got run out of the town a few times from different places, as I understand it, because fans just got tired of his defensive Leaf, Leafs fans essentially booed him out of town, and Toronto wound up giving him to Detroit, where he won at least two Stanley Cups. Yeah, you can win Stanley Cups with Larry Murphy, and you can win Stanley Cups with Evan Bouchard, who has been good in the playoffs two years running, by the way. So I just... I, I just would ask fans to to look at the whole picture, do a multivariable analysis, which is the, always the key in life. The more variables you can think about and bring into any kind of opinion that you're shaping, if you're just basing it on one variable, you're likely going to get it wrong. That's how it works. And the more you can bring in on any decision, on any kind of political idea you're talking about in any hockey debate, think of think of all the variables you can think of and try to be fair and accurate on each one. And, um, you know, Bush, he just scored a fantastic power play goal. He does have a tremendous shot. Um, he's got the passing and he's got the shot. Hyman did a total eclipse of the sun screen on that goal. It was really nice. But Bouchard's shot was also just fantastic right in the top corner. So um, all he had to do was miss Hyman and it was going to go in the net. Yeah, that was a nice <laughs> screen. So Larry Murphy played for the Washington Capitals, Minnesota North Stars, Pittsburgh Penguins, Toronto Maple Leafs, and Detroit Red, Red Wings. He played 1,600 NHL games and had 1,200 points. So Evan Bouchard has a long way to go before he has a career as good as Larry Murphy. But he is a very similar player, except he's got a better shot than um, than I think Murphy did. Although Murphy had a good shot. He scored 287 NHL goals, so he must have... Not bad for a D, man. Not bad for a D, man. <laughs> Your bad thing. Yeah, well, I have to go... I mean, it's not much bad in this game, but one, one bad thing that's becoming more and more apparent is... Brian McLeod's utter inability to score goals. What did I say now? He's 35 games was his last goal, all of the playoffs, all of the season, which is now 19 games. And it, it doesn't it, it doesn't seem like there's any setup that's going to work for him. Like today he had a shot literally five feet in front, directly in between the goalposts set up for a one-timer. It's harder to miss the net than to hit it from where he shot it, and he missed the net. And he missed. He had six shot attempts in this game. One was on net from a from a low angle. It was a good hard shot, but it was a fairly routine save. The other five all missed the net. And I don't know if he needs shooting practice, if he needs some kind of um, uh, a beta blocker or something when he gets the puck around the net like the golfers <laughs> use when they're making their two foot putts, you know and. and <laughs> I just don't know. What Isn't it that is. a pill, a beta blocker? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and it's 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 just a nerve calmer, you know. And the, like apparently, a lot of the, go- the golfers used to use them, and they started to to uh, 
it's, this is old. I don't know what they call them these days. No doubt there's an updated version of it. But anyway, uh, his overall game today was fine. Like he's skating well. I mean, one or two, he made an iffy behind the back pass right through the defensive zone one time. And another time he kicked a pass from behind his net to in front of his net, but he did make the pass and they were able to work it out. And so... Uh, not always the safest player, but he, you know, his his um, his uh, his skating is so strong that uh, he's often in good position or can get there. Uh, it's just his his finishing ability was that was never strong. Has utterly abandoned him, and uh, you know, I just wind up sort of face palming, saying, "How can you miss from there?" <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> He's due. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I missed uh, on Larry Murphy. He also played for the LA Kings. He started his career. Yeah, he was a rookie with the Kings and they're a great yeah. one. Yeah. Fourth great uh, overall year. pick in the 1980 draft. One of the great drafts of all time. He got picked before Paul Coffey. He went four and then Darren Veach went number five to Washington. And then the Oilers got Coffey at number six. So two of the great offensive defensemen of all time by points totals went two picks apart. You're right. That was a great draft. There's like, uh, there's almost 10 players who played a thousand games. And, but the weird thing is that the top pick in that draft, Doug Wickenheiser did not work out as a strong NHLer. Uh, Bruce, uh, my, my bad thing. My bad thing is just a little, it's more of a nitpicky thing. And it's not focused necessarily on these two players, but the orders got up for nothing. And um, it's, there's still lots to go in the game. There's 35 minutes left. And this is the kind of game the orders are capable of losing uh, even then. And, um, and I'm just thinking, okay, what we need now is just, just some solid game management. You're just going to, you're just going to come back hard. You're going to not take chances on the attack. You're going to shut it down. And the orders did a good job of that. It, as it turns out, mm-hmm. that's what the team did. But there was one play um, seven minutes into the uh, into the second period where they um, Washington broke up, charged up the ice. And um, it doesn't have to be a three-on-two, but two of the Oilers forwards. And I'm not even going to name them because I don't think I just think this is a, flat-footed, yes. They I'm just got to, they got caught instead of back checking Bruce, they got caught slack checking, as I'm going to refer to it, because the owners have too much slack checking, and this is a prime example of the kind of habit that you have to develop, where you do not let that man, that third guy who's coming into play, separate. And it was nicked out. It's not the fastest player in the NHL, so you don't want to let him. Um, get open for a five alarm shot in the slot to maybe make it four to one. Why do you want that to happen to your team? So instead of cruising back, not moving your feet, watching the play as two Edmonton Oilers did, um, you hustle back, you back check, you don't slack check. Mm-hmm. And and I just was thinking, oh, this is just this is this is so typical of this team where they give up such a great chance. Just when they're, you know, they really have their their foot on the throat, and they're going to let up, and they did let up a little bit, but they got lucky, and there was no goal against. And it only would have been four to one. Maybe things would have been fine, but maybe they wouldn't have yeah. been fine. No, no, you wanted, you just don't want to give the other guys anything. 
Uh, my friend Bruce Kerlock was saying what the Oilers need when it was 4 nothing. He said, we, they just need 12 James Hamblins out there the rest of the way and they'll be fine. Because that's the guy, you know, that's well, not up to give up the freebies, right? I'd say Doug Ryan's. Yeah, well, it's the same thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, uh, Bruce is watching a lot of AHL and he's... Uh, He's uh, developed, but yeah, Derek Ryan would be a, another example. It just doesn't give away much, uh, give or take the very occasional bad line change. I gave, uh, <laughs> I, I said it in my game grades. I, I actually said, is fresh. I said Hamblin <laughs> is the uh, Derek Ryan in training, perhaps on the Oilers. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what he should yep. be looking. Watch Derek Ryan play. Yes. Hamblin. Yes, agree, that's, agreed, who, that's who you can be. You can have a 10-year NHL career if you watch what he does mm-hmm. and do it. There was a four-on-two that was given up early in the third period, too. And again, I don't know who the culprits are, other than it's a team breakdown that you, you know, it just should never happen. There should always be, uh, really, with a lead like that, three guys back, both defensemen and a forward. And if a defenseman pinches, then a second forward needs to come back to cover uh, cover off, and uh, as long as you've got numbers behind the puck, you're generally not going to be giving up. Well, you're not going to be giving up four on twos, which they did on that one play. Your numero, Bruce. Yeah, I'm going to give a call out to Edmonton's special teams in this game. And in this game, we had four power plays for Edmonton and five uh, for Washington. Uh, Edmonton scored three of the four. It only took them three minutes and 28 seconds on their four power plays to score three times, like the bang, bang, bang were scoring on the power plays. Washington, on the other hand, had nine minutes and 31 seconds because they tended to play the whole two minutes. I think there was one that overlapped. And yet Edmonton had more shots, seven, on net in their three and a half minutes then Washington did six shots in nine and a half minutes, which is, speaks to the efficiency to me of both Edmonton special teams holding a team that, you know, six shots in nine and a half. I mean, typically it's a shot a minute uh, on the, on the, on the PK. And I just thought they were, they were really solid in, in uh, uh, both uh, units. Special shout out to Ryan Nugent Hopkins, <clears throat> who led the Oilers forwards uh, in both, Power play time and penalty kill time, 2.56 and 3.51. And that's a lot of special teams time on a day, the team that get your day, that special teams was a real difference maker. And also, um, uh, Vincent Deharnay played four and a half minutes on the penalty kill in 19.51, just a few ticks short of a 20-minute game for Vincent Deharnay and a very, very strong game from him. I thought this was his best game of the season, if not ever. Like he's, uh, he just did a whole lot of things right in, in, uh, and not just in the defensive zone, but a lot of it in the defensive zone. Yeah, he made a nice pass to Dreisaitl on that goal. Mm-hmm. And um, yep. I think he made another nice pass later in the game too. To, uh Adam McDavid. McDavid kind of helped along the way there too. Yeah, Art, where McDee lifted the guy's stick and yeah. then took the pass. Yeah, that was that was a sweet play by Connor for sure. I think that might have been the play I was t- talking about where McDavid broke in, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so Bruce, my my number is four, okay. and that's the number of Oilers defensemen who 
kept what I call a clean sheet in this game. So nice. as many of you guys know, we track the uh, cult, we track the uh, grade A shots in, in the games. And there's typically about, you know, 15, 16, 4, and uh, 13 against um, in recent years when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers games. Um, so keeping a clean sheet means you haven't made a major mistake. You're a defenseman and you have not made a major mistake at even strength the entire game. Zero. No major mistakes on a grade A shot against. And if you're a defenseman and you have that zero by your name, mm -hmm. you have had by definition a good game. You've done your job as a defenseman to limit um, the opposition uh, grade A shots. Maybe some teammates let you down at the other side of the ice or um but you did your job. So tonight it was Nurse, Cece, Kulak, and Aharnay who kept clean sheets. I thought Darnell Nurse maybe played his best game of the year. He has been actually playing, um, and we had a kind of a rough, rough start, but uh, with some fairly high-level um, mistakes that were remarked, remarked upon. But he, um, he has been playing better and better and better, and he's that was the game. That was Darnell Nurse's $9 million a year game where, where he earns that salary, where he, if he can, if he can shut down the top attackers on the opposing team efficiently and move the puck. Well, that is such a valuable hockey player. And he was that hockey player tonight. Just, it was, it was a stellar game from nurse. Um, as you mentioned, Deharney was good. Kulak was good, except for that one turnover early in the game where he just threw it to the slot. And yeah. CC played, uh, you know, it's the kind of smart, calm, effective Cody CC-like game that you hope to see from him that we saw a lot two years ago. We didn't see so much last year, but I think CC's been playing well this year again. And, um, yeah, great to see all four of these guys uh, achieve that. And I think it's probably, I don't know, I think it's probably the first time this year that we've seen that as well from Oilers defensemen. Usually, there's usually maybe one guy in a game who will have a clean sheet. If it's a if it's a decent game, but to have four in a game, you, your team's going to win. Yeah, well, typically, I mean, on on any given scoring chance by the other team that we rate, it's it's very common for one or even both defensemen to be yeah. charged on a play, you know, and and even if it's just you know getting beat by a pass or a shot, not necessarily some kind of outright error, but just getting beat on the play. I mean, the D men are the ones that are closer uh, to the net that are going to be more often involved in defensive plays and offensive plays. So their numbers, the way our system works, is their numbers are tend towards the negative and the wingers tend towards the positive. And really it's only the centers that, that play the 200-foot game where you can kind of balance balance the two. Uh, Kulak did get away with a, with, a, with a real clangor there early in the game that just completely whiffed his pass right into the slot and onto the tape and it was bing-bang bust Connor McMichael I think it, yeah 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 anyway whoever it was completely they have a new category in the in the play-by-play -play now I've noticed it. They, they called one for like this on Kane right at the end of a period flub a flub <laughs> shot that's actually <laughs> in the score yeah, and the NA, that's an official. Yeah, yeah that's and it's probably, it might show up on on McMichael, or nothing at all might show up because in in, in a real sense, nothing happened. There was no shot. That, you know, anyway, uh, uh, and but after that, that pairing really settled down, and I mean, uh, Deharnay 
when he was out there, the Oilers had 19 shot attempts to six, nine shots to two, nine, two, two goals to zero at five on five. And they only scored two goals at five on five. Like he had uh, scoring chances, 11 to one high danger chances, eight to one. This is, uh, this is um, natural statics set of stats. And uh, uh, for, Expected goals seventy eight percent. Like that, that that's Edmonton's third period, and they were dominant on the, with their third pairing on the ice. And Jaharney, I thought, just made some strong plays and some strong decisions. There was one in the third period where the puck went behind the Edmonton net. It looked like Washington was going to cycle, and he just dipped right in front of the guy, stuck his shoulder into the guy before he got to the puck, played the puck with his other hand, one-handed play, moved it up. The outcome of the orders cruising out of their own zone with speed, numbers, and possession to three things you really want. And uh, all by, you know, a very strong, proactive play. And that was great to see. Vinny's been really struggling for a number of games. I think the coaching change, him in particular, it affected. And uh, he's, uh, it was really good to see him play as uh, strong a game as he did today. Just had some weird music in my ears. I don't hope no one else heard that. I I called up a hockey DB and I think it played a video or something. Maybe I don't think anyone else. Music almost always sucks. (laughs) So um, Ovechkin, he's got just he's got five goals in eighteen games this year. Four of them are empty netters. (laughs) Is that right? No, I'm I'm exaggerating, but not by not by much. At least two of them are empty netters. I've seen the replays, and I get mad when I see him because he. He uh, he um, cherry picks in the neutral zone while his team is protecting a lead in the last minute. They put him out there to go for the record, and then he somebody manages to chunk the puck up to him. And of course, he's not going to miss the empty net from center or anywhere. And well, you know if yeah. So right now, Gretzky finished with um, 894 goals. Mm-hmm. That doesn't include his one year in the WHA. Right. Um, and Ovechkin has 827, 27, according to this, uh, 827. So he's about, what is that, 240? Well, he's, you know, 235 goal seasons. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. It's not a gimme. It's not a, it's certainly not a sure thing. And um, he did score 42 goals um, last season, but um, it's, you know, you know, of course, he could hang on and, you know, play for five more years and have get seasons where he scores 10 or 11 goals. I mean, Gretzky only got nine goals in his last year. So he could he could hang on for the record to get the record, which is fair game. That's that's uh, if a team thinks he's but it's going to be interesting to see if he does it. I mean, honestly, I'm cheering that he doesn't because I'm a Oilers fan. So as much as I don't res- I, I like Ovechkin fine. I think he's a fa- just such a fantastic hockey player, but I do hope that he, <laughs> I'm not cheering for him. I'm, I'm cheering against him. So I'm hoping that uh, Gretzky can hold on with that record, but I don't think he will. I don't know what the odds are, but I don't think, what would you say the odds are, Bruce, that he doesn't do it or that he does it? I guess it's the same. Like what, what, what are the odds that he does it? 70%, 80% chance? Uh, I'm a little higher than 50-50, but I'm seeing signs that he may be starting to, 
fall off the cliff finally, but uh, that just may be a temporary thing. And you might, you know, next month you say, oh, that's his 10th goal in the last 10 games, you know, and he's gone yeah. again because that he generally does tend to, to t- turn it on. But, I mean, five goals and two of them, I looked it up, are empty netters. So he's beaten three goalies all year. And he had some good shots today, and Skinner made a couple of good stops off him too. And Skinner, who we haven't mentioned at all, got the shutout. Uh, had yeah. a pretty pretty uh, strong game, but uh, Ovi was uh, on the power play, the inefficient Washington power play. He was just sort of hanging around in his spot in the circle, waiting for the puck to come to him. He doesn't have anyone at this point to provide him with great service. service. As they say in uh, <laughs> European football, we brought that up last podcast. Indeed, and that matters, right? Because he's mm-hmm. had he's had great service from Nicholas Backstrom most mm-hmm. of his career, and maybe mm-hmm. before that, I'm not sure it's who. Like, but like yeah. Thomas Muller to uh, Robert Lewandowski with Bayern Music Munich all these years. Lewandowski yeah. would score all the goals, but uh, Muller would set up a hell of a lot of them. And yeah. he'd be the server, and uh, Lewandowski would be the goal poacher. I think they call players like him and just show up and put the ball in the net, you know, after other guys have done a lot of the work. And, uh, Ovi, that's his game. Let the other guys do the puck move. But boy, does he ever miss uh, uh, Baxter, Nick Baxter. Yeah. So we'll see. I think it's high. So you're saying it might be around 50 50. I'm going to go. I'm going to go, it's more like 70%, 70-30 that he does it. I think he's got a 70% chance. I don't know if, he's, if these odds mean anything because... Well, he's got a target. So, I mean, he, he could keep yes. going until he gets the record. And as you say, he's at 827. And he's now 38 years old. But he's also still six foot three and 238 pounds. And good luck moving that guy from where he wants to be, you know. And, and uh, he's got that rocket and, you know, the the um you know consistency over the years of let me see how many one two three four five six seven eight nine fifty goal seasons uh seven of which are 53 to 50 right in there plus a 49 a 48 a 46 you know i mean amazing the consistency of this guy over all these years uh but uh last year he was down to 42 and there's no telling. And then, as you say, Gretzky had 46 in the WHA, but if we're counting goals, it's actually Mr. Gordon Howe, who's number one with 975 regular there season you go. goals there you go. over the two leagues. And if you're counting goals, goals the way I like to count them, the way they count them in soccer, all goals scored for your club team, including playoffs, tournaments, that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, one of the great stats of all time wayne gretzky's last goal put him ahead of gordy howe 1072 to 1071. would that account for a canada cup that no that's just club game club teams nhl wha regular season playoffs and playoffs yeah all that's fantastic all all of them yeah yeah it's all wayne's last goal against the islanders was uh that is funny how we count them eh yeah, yeah, it's, I'm I'm still amazed that they don't count playoffs. playoffs. In in and terms of games played, like he played a thousand games. Oh, yeah. he also played two hundred in the playoffs. Do we not yeah. count them? Are they actually yeah. more important? And they're yes. never mentioned in our in the way we total things up. 
it's just kind of bizarre in a way. One of the great records of hockey that's recognized by nobody but me, who thinks it's a fantastic record. In 1983-84, when they won their first Stanley Cup, Wayne Gretzky scored 100 goals. The only guy ever to do it. He got 87 in the season and 13 in the playoffs. And he got numbers 99 and 100 in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Finals that the Oilers won the Cup. All and right, well, Bruce, that last little conversation, goals. 100 goals. <laughs> That last little conversation will qualify as our conundrum. Will Ovechkin do it or oh. not? Yeah, so that was yeah, okay. Fair enough. Because I can't think of another one. All right. Are Bruce? these the real Oilers? Is this the uh, real life? Is this just fantasy? <laughs> <laughs> What's the next That's line? That's my conundrum. Caught in a landslide. Slide. No. Escape from reality. <laughs> Open your eyes. All right. Just shut up. All right. Thanks, Bruce, for talking. Yeah. Thanks, Oilers, for winning. Thank you. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>